your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to another episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade, and I want to apologize for not having an episode Friday, but because of that, we have six episodes this week, starting with this episode dropping today, which is Sunday. We are having episodes all week this week, and we have some great content coming out for you. But before we get into any of that, I want to thank you all for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast wherever you get podcasts at Monday through Friday for free, as well as on YouTube for free by searching Locked On Hawkeyes. And on today's show, we're going to be breaking down what went down in the assistant press conferences last week. We heard from Brian Ferentz. We heard from LeVar Woods. We also heard from Raymond Braithwaite and Phil Parker. So we're going to be talking about all that on the show today. What did we learn from those conversations? What did we not learn? How much reflection has Brian done on the offensive performance against Purdue? And what did Phil have to say about allowing David Bell to have 230 yards? The answer might be a little bit disappointing for you, but we're going to talk about all that on the show today. Now, just a heads up as to what is coming for the rest of the week. We have Iowa commit Caden Crawford joining the show tomorrow. He's going to be talking about what this Iowa season has meant to him, what it has meant from a recruiting perspective, what he loves about the Iowa Hawkeyes. We had him on the show back in March after he committed, but a lot has changed since then. So we're talking to him about all that. We are also going to be breaking down where does Iowa fit into this Big Ten playoff or the Big Ten championship picture. Right now, Iowa controls its own destiny after Purdue loses to Wisconsin. So we're breaking down everything that happened across the Big Ten on tomorrow's show as well. As we get in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to be preparing and gearing up for that Wisconsin game, giving you all the coverage you need to hear and know about as we take on Wisconsin next weekend. So lots of fun stuff coming up on the show this week. Let's get into it, though. Let's kick it off with Brian Ferentz's press conference because that is really where a lot of people want to get some information. So as we expected, there was a lot of conversation about the offensive line. Here's what he had to say about the offensive line. He said, Nick and Mason have done a really nice job. They've seen some good players. There is no better education than experience. Baptism by fire. He's also been really impressed with the growth of Connor Colby, all while, de- all while dealing with injuries. Now, a lot of people are sitting here saying, what is going on with this offensive line? How can you sit here and say all these players have done a really nice job? As we saw against Purdue, our tackles got torched. Our offensive line was in a blender all freaking day. Spencer Petras had no time to do anything. So I don't know how you can sit here and say our offensive line is doing well, but I think what Brian is looking at and what he's trying to say is for the expectations we had of these young guys, they are exceeding those expectations. My guess is these, these are all very smart coaches. Obviously Brian Ferentz probably looked at this roster, looked at this offensive line. And as Kirk has even said earlier on in the off season, he said he wasn't sure what to expect from this offensive line. He was hoping that guys separated themselves from the picture. And some things have happened. Mason Richmond has taken over for Jack Plum. Clearly, the Iowa staff not as impressed with what Jack Plum can do day in and day out and also long-term for the Hawks. We had some injuries on the interior. But when Brian Ferentz says he's been really pleased with how these guys have done, I think it's important to note that these are really young players. Mason Richmond, these are his first true snaps. He's a redshirt freshman, right? Nick DeYoung has not had a lot of snaps either. Connor Colby was playing high school football less than a year ago. 
So to be able to hold up even remotely, and now granted, this this Iowa pass blocking uh, unit is one of the worst in the nation, which is not good, but they are one of the worst in the nation. They are getting that baptism by fire. And as he even mentioned, there's no better education than experience. So yes, it is frustrating. And you hope they can pick it up. And with having a bye week, they can probably work on several things with from a technique perspective to help clean a few things up. They're also getting guys healthy. We've had some issues across the interior. As we spoke about with LeSean Daniels, former Iowa running back, he even mentioned the fact they have two weeks. Let's clean a few things up. Now, one of the things we're going to be talking about on Tuesday is comparing this year's team to that 2019 team. Now, a lot of people forget about the middle part of that 2019 season. Because what happened was Iowa wins 10 games. They win the Holiday Bowl. Everything's good. Everyone's happy. Iowa beats USC. Iowa's in a good spot. But people forget about that Michigan game or that Penn State game where teams were absolutely dominating the interior of the Iowa offensive line. Now, that's not to say the offensive line got significantly better, but they did improve enough to be able to take care of most of their remaining schedule. Offensively, Iowa changed a few things up. So when Brian says... He's pleased they've done a really nice job. Yes, we all know, and Brian including, there could be a lot better play, but they've made some steps and clearly they're happy with the progress. I expect there to be a little bit better. He also mentioned when talking about that Purdue game, the thing that was most disappointing was the third quarter. He said the third quarter was absolutely terrible. He he referenced the team basically falling asleep. You cannot have that. But you also have to keep in mind, that it is tough to win 12 games in a regular season for college ball teams. Not a lot of teams do that ever, and not a lot of teams do that very consistently. Right? Even Alabama loses games from time to time. So there's going to be times where teams lose. For example, Purdue looked unstoppable against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Purdue against Wisconsin, shut down. David Bell, shut down. Purdue, just completely shut down, which is something we're going to talk about and what that means from an Iowa perspective later on in this week. But it's important to note that coming off a game against Penn State, a very high emotional game, you storm the field, you beat a top five team, you win the last couple minutes. It's tough for young adults, college ball players, to you know bounce back after that and get up for a game like Purdue, even though they all knew Purdue was going to come in and give them a lot of fits. They knew that, and yet they just weren't able to do it. And now that's the beauty and the curse of college football. You have to take the good and the bad. Anyone that was not biased, myself included, and in that bias could have looked at that game and said, Iowa struggles against Jeff Brom. Purdue is coming off a bye week. And three, Iowa is coming off a huge win over Penn State at home. Are they going to be able to get up and win this game? We know the answer. It was no. And he mentioned the third quarter. It feels like Iowa was just getting beat up at that point and just didn't have anything left in them in that third quarter, which is really where the game went off the deep end. I do think they probably could have ran the ball significantly better, in my opinion. And I think they could have done a better job of getting certain guys the ball at the wide receiver position. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, and then we're going to take a break. But talking about the wide receiver position, it was specifically asked, what is the plan with Tyrone Tracy Jr.? And he said, if you look at the targets, we've tried to get Tyrone opportunities. We're going to continue to do that. He's a good football player. Some of the best things he does is with the ball in his hands. So when you think about trying to get him the ball, there's a couple things I think you can typically do. You can move him around at the different wide receiver positions. You can get him the ball 
in a lot of short passing situations, slants, screens, bubble screens, uh, you name it. You can get him the ball on, you know, end arounds, reverses, et cetera, if you want to get the ball in his hands. And to that degree, Iowa has tried to do that. Right now, Tyrone, his average depth of target is only 9.1 yards, which is seventh on the team. The only wide receiver with less than him is Arlen Bruce. And we've seen what Arlen can do. And he actually even mentioned how good Arlen is in that screen game. There's a reason why Arlen's getting those snaps. The other option I think we could do is maybe move Tyrone to the slot. Now, I took a look at the numbers for Tyrone. This year, he's only played 16% of the snaps in the slot. Last year, it was 32%. And the year prior to that, it was 26%. It's also worth noting, he had less snaps overall in 2019, and he did spend some considerable amount of time outside when Iowa had some injuries. But Tyrone is playing less in the slot than he ever has before. Now, a part of that is because they like Nico Regani in the slot. But I'm here to tell you, I personally feel like if we want to get Tyrone going, we need to do some reconfiguring of this wide receiver room. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that in a few moments because I think we could probably move Tyrone inside, which would open up that area for another guy, a true freshman, to get some better opportunities to make an impact for this team. We're going to be talking about all that here in a second, but I do want to tell you about Prize Picks College Football Fanatics. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I personally love this, and I know that you will too. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world, and they offer all the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid-major players you might not have even heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown, and it's pretty awesome. If you go there and use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all of our listeners will get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 when you use that promo code locked on. It's so easy to do this. You pick two to five players, you pick an over and under on their projections, and you can 10x any entry you put in. It's just you versus the projected numbers. And they also allow mixed sports entries, football and basketball, you name it, you can do it. All entries can be made within 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code locked on or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And I want to thank you all again for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube for free Monday through Friday. Just search Locked On Hawkeyes. And as we were talking about before we took a break, we were talking about the wide receiver position and the fact that Brian specifically mentioned that Tyrone Tracy should be getting the ball more and they want to get him the opportunities. But I'm here to say I think there are some other things we need to do. Tyrone has played outside more than he ever has in his in his career as an Iowa Hawkeye. Now, granted, it's not substantial. It's not 10% in the slot versus 90% in the slot in previous years. It's 16% versus 26 and 32%. But I still think what Tyrone Tracy does best is run with the ball in his hands. His yak ability is his truly best feature, in my opinion, of Tyrone Tracy Jr. And our slot receiver is a guy who's going to get that ball pretty consistently. We need a guy in that slot who can also catch the ball pretty consistently. And now anyone who has listened to this show knows that I think Nico Regani can make some phenomenal plays. He can make some very clutch plays. He also has a penchant for dropping the football. Out of all wide receivers with at least 26 targets, Nico Regani is 27th in drop percentage. That is not good. Okay. 
That is not a good stat to be a part of. It is not good to be in the top 30 in drop percentage. So where Nico has had some big plays, we have not been able to get the ball to Tyrone. And the other thing to note is that Tyrone is taking up one of those outside wide receiver positions, a spot that I think we could free up for Keegan Johnson. When you look at this offense, you need to get your best players on the field in order to win the game. And you need to get guys who can beat man coverage. To this point, we have not seen it from Tyrone. We have not seen it from Nico as much. And again, I think Tyrone's a phenomenal player. I would just like to see him get in that slot a little bit more and move Keegan over to the outside. We've seen Keegan do some really great things with the ball in his hands. We've also seen Keegan beat man coverage. So if you want to open up this offense, in my opinion, I think you start moving these wide receivers around. The best part about Tyrone outside of his yak ability is his flexibility to play any of the wide receiver positions. Now, some of those folks, some of you folks out there might not realize it is quite different going from X, Y to Z for all these different wide receiver positions. It is not something that's easy. Tyrone has been able to do it. He does know all three positions. So I think you need to put Tyrone in the slot, scale back a little bit on Nico's time. It doesn't have to be 100% Tyrone in the slot. Maybe it's 50% Tyrone in the slot with 50% Nico in the slot as well. You put Charlie on the outside, you have Keegan on the outside, and you put Arlen Bruce in as well when you're doing maybe four wide situations, five wide situations, if you want to get a little bit aggressive there. But I think you really need to maximize the opportunities with your wide receivers, and you need to utilize their abilities to the best of the Iowa offense advantage. And I think having Keegan out there, a guy who has shown he can beat man coverage, he has the speed and the body control to outrun guys and have big yak plays as well, you got to get him in the game. And I think where you're seeing Tyrone struggle, maybe get him in a position where he's going to have more specific targets. The slot receiver in Iowa's offense is always going to typically get more targets. It's just how it has worked. We've seen it with Matt Vandenberg. We saw it with Nick Easley. We've seen it with Nico and Tyrone both in the past couple of years as well. So I think that would be something I would like to see as well. He also got some questions about Spencer Petras. He said, we've got to protect him better and we've got to get more open. When there are makeable throws and he doesn't make them, we need to work on that as well. He didn't make one early on Sunday, but again, he did also mention the fact that he has won six games this season and that he is a big part of that. So even Brian is also mentioning it's not just Spencer. Spencer is an easy scapegoat, but it's the fact that the offensive line cannot protect him. As we saw against Purdue, Spencer had no time. The wide receivers are not getting open. As we saw against Penn State and Purdue in man coverage, Iowa has not been doing an effective job of beating those man coverage defenses. And then, yes, Spencer, when he has those opportunities, does need to make those throws, but it's a collection of those three things that needs to happen for this Iowa offense to be successful. He also mentioned that they're not nearly as efficient on first down as we need to be. Uh, and then he, he also said when the first first place you need to look at when those things are happening is you need to look at the play caller. You need to look at the person in the mirror, which is himself. And so I hope what we've seen from Brian Ferentz, a lot of people here might be listening and thinking Brian Ferentz is a ter terrible play caller. I'm not here to tell you that Brian Ferentz is the best offensive coordinator in the nation. I'm here to tell you that it's not all on Brian Ferentz. And I do believe he has some tricks in his bag of his bag of plays, bag of tricks that he can pull out that is going to get Iowa working towards a better season, right? We're six and one. Iowa's five more games left of this regular season before we get into bowl season or potentially a Big Ten championship game. I believe this is going to give Brian Ferentz two weeks to look back and see what he needs to do to move forward. 
He also mentioned the fact that uh, Wisconsin is not a game where you want to give up any possessions. You need to be very careful with the ball. something we all know as well we're going to be talking about. And then he also got a question about the two quarterback sneaks. So as we talked about with Sean Daniels, it was, you know, it's something that has been very successful in the past. So why not continue to go with it? LaShawn thought maybe we do something a little bit differently. Maybe we utilize Tyler Goodson in those situations. Now, everything is hindsight is always 2020, but Brian Ferentz did have this to say. He said, based on recent history, I felt pretty good we would get a QB sneak on two plays, or we'd get a first down on two plays utilizing the QB sneak. He said, I would have probably thrown the ball on third down in retrospect. Agreed. I'm glad he's looking at that and seeing opportunities for improvement with him. Now, I know that's not everything you wanted to hear from Brian Ferentz, but it is good to hear a couple things. They want to try to get Tyrone the ball. They realize his offensive line maybe isn't the best we've had, but they're improving. And they also, you know, he's realizing that he does need to continue to progress from a play caller perspective. And he's going to go back to the tape and see what could he have done differently in this game. We also heard from LeVar Woods and Raymond Braitworth, Braitwaith, excuse me, and not a lot to be said from either of those guys. LeVar basically said, we're very happy with the unit and the unit is very close. Praised a lot of, he praised a lot of young guys giving them a lot of uh, kudos. And then Raymond said, as far as spring ball goes, it's huge for the freshmen. And he said, he doesn't like, Iowa doesn't like to make guys join early or even make guys play early. But he said, you're seeing a lot of guys like Keegan, like Arlen and Connor succeed after having been in the Iowa strength and conditioning program for an extra semester, after having played with the Iowa Hawkeyes for an extra semester. And as you're going to find out when we talk to Caden Crawford on tomorrow's show, that was also a big contributing factor for him. He's seen the success of joining the Iowa Hawkeyes early and getting to be a part of that strength and conditioning team and program to see if he can build up muscle mass to be able to go in and play Big Ten football early on in his career. I think it's something to watch out for. Raymond making a comment about that. I know Iowa does not traditionally like to have guys join early, but when you see guys like that, highly touted guys, come in and be successful early, it starts getting those gears kind of tinkering. Can I come in early as a recruit and play for the Iowa Hawkeyes if I get there a bit early? Will my playing time increase? There's a lot of other factors that go into it, but that is one thing because the learning curve is so steep it's also tough because you're joining, you're going to college for the first time. You're also trying to learn a playbook. You're trying to play Big Ten football. There's so many things going on. The opportunity to get there in the spring gives you a chance to kind of slow down before we get into crunch time where we have Big Ten games. So definitely something to watch out for as well. Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about what Phil Parker said. He had some good news to say about Riley Moss, so definitely want to talk about that. He also had some interesting things to say about Purdue, so we're going to be covering all that. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about Built Bar because Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. I'm not kidding. I've tried protein bars all over the place. I've tried probably 20 different kinds of protein bars, and they are all trash. Until I got my hands on a Built Bar, Built Bar is literally my go-to for everything from a protein bar perspective. If you haven't tried Built Bar, you are absolutely missing out. And the best thing about it is not that it's not that it's delicious, right? Because it is. The one I like the most is white chocolate birthday cake with sprinkles. But it's actually really good for you as well. Between 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. 17 to 20, 18 grams of protein. I mean, it's literally everything you want in a protein bar. And the fact that it doesn't taste like crap and it tastes honestly just like a candy bar, why wouldn't you want to get your hands on this bad boy? This month, 
Built Bar is coming out with new limited time flavors every three to four days. So if you've already ordered a box, check it out again because there might be some awesome flavors you want to get your hands on, like a pumpkin chocolate chip, for example. So go to built.com, that's B-U-I-L-T.com, and use the promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, y'all, we talked a little bit about Brian Ferentz. We heard from LeVar Woods. We are from Raymond as well. Let's talk about what Phil Parker had to say about this Iowa Hawkeye defense coming off a very poor performance against Purdue. But before we get into what that performance said and what Phil Parker gleaned from that, I want to cover the Riley Moss news. He said, Riley looks good, real positive out there today. And out there today was a reference towards last week. Walking around knowing him, I wouldn't bet against him. He's a competitor and a tough kid. Now, the interesting thing about Riley Moss and going up against Wisconsin, we're more than likely going to see a lot more 4-3 and possibly a 4-4 for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Now, what that means is that Iowa and what we saw against Purdue, Purdue got destroyed by Wisconsin just running the ball down their throat. But with Wisconsin, you want to be able to stop the run. Now, they don't have a guy like Jonathan Taylor now, but you still need to respect the passing game because what's going to happen is Wisconsin can run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And when you're not looking for it, they're going to do a play action and someone's open. This is the time where you might not think we need Riley Moss as much because Wisconsin is not going to throw the ball. I would argue this is actually even more important to have Riley Moss. So if he can come back and be honestly 90%, I'm excited. Now I thought Terry Roberts played really well in that last game, but I would love to see Riley Moss back, especially as we make this run uh, to get into the big 10 championship game, which is now, our own destiny. It's under Iowa's control because Purdue lost this past week. He did say uh, he was very pleased with how Iowa came out and practiced yesterday or a couple of days ago, uh, which can be tough after such a tough loss against Purdue. He also mentioned the fact that Purdue was doing a great job of stopping Iowa's defensive line, but the Iowa was missing two guys. And when you take two guys out of the rotation, you start becoming a little bit less fresh, right? Ethan Herkett, Deontay Craig, not able to play in last week's game. And so when you take two guys out of that puzzle, he said, it makes it very tough to keep guys as fresh as possible. Now, I understand that to a degree, but going from a seven to eight guy rotation to a nine to 10 guy rotation should not have significantly impact the performance of Iowa's defensive line so much so that they only generated four pressures from the defensive line. I expect a little bit more. Now, the Zach and Valkenbergs, the John Wagners, those are guys who are playing most of the snaps anyways, and we still do not see a lot of pressure being generated. So I know Iowa was missing two guys, and I know that does have an impact, but it shouldn't have been such a drastic impact. He also said um, their scout team has been putting a lot of pressure on them um, from the offensive side of the ball. Uh, which, And this is, the, this is nothing to do with Phil Parker, but this is a really interesting quote. He said, our scout team is putting more pressure on us than some of the teams we are playing against. He specifically, people asked him which offensive players are doing that. And he said, it's not even just offensive players. Oftentimes, we'll play some of our younger defensive guys on the scout team. And he specifically called Cooper DeGene out and he said, he can, take a lo- he can take a load off of a lot of other guys. He could get into special teams. It sounds like Cooper is tearing up this defense on the scout team. That's exciting to hear a guy, Cooper DeGene, a big-time prospect, a big-time commit for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I expect him to be an integral part of that secondary for years to come, and it could be sooner rather than later of when we get to see him play. So really excited about the progress of him. It means a lot when a guy like Phil Parker 
a defensive mastermind is complimenting a scout team player who's actually on the defensive side of the ball playing offense and doing really well. Now, he mentioned, obviously, the defensive line and the fact that Iowa was short two guys. He did say that Logan Jones played, and also Deontay Craig will be okay. So it sounds like Iowa's defensive line rotation will be back intact. So that'll be really interesting to see how they go up against Wisconsin, how they match up against Wisconsin. Not as many opportunities to get a lot of pass rushing reps, but a lot of big-time opportunities to be that force, the first line of defense against Wisconsin's dominant rushing attack that has apparently returned uh, against Purdue. He also, they did ask a couple questions about Purdue and the fact that they are running three quarterbacks. He said, we knew they were unsettled at quarterback. We had a breakdown of what they were running at each. They know when 12 was in, Austin Burden, he was going to be running. Now, I thought that was really interesting because when Iowa was on the field, maybe they were not expecting them to switch out three guys and three snaps, but Iowa looked confused as heck. And while they knew what each of these quarterbacks did, what Jeff Brom did is put it on, flip it on a script. He had Austin Burton going. He had Jack Plummer going. And then he decided to have Aiden O'Connell. It didn't look like it was a designed draw, but it very much Aiden O'Connell saw a man and he just ran with it. Iowa was not respecting Aiden O'Connell's leg after having two guys with the scrambling ability in there back-to-back plays. So, you know, he said they were ready for them. It, to me, it didn't look like it initially, in my personal opinion. He also said he thought they played really well overall, which I would very much disagree on. Uh, this Iowa defense could have had 31 points put up, could have had even more than that, honestly. They played terrible against Purdue. So I thought his comments were a little bit disappointing. Now, I love Phil Parker. I think he's a phenomenal defensive coordinator. And 99% of the time, I am going to, whatever he says, I'm just going to listen to and I'm good. But when you get out there and say that Iowa's defense you thought played pretty well, maybe compared to a bad defense, maybe compared to, Maybe good compared to Maryland when they played Iowa on that Friday night, but not not compared to the Iowa standard. And especially anytime you let one wide receiver go for over 200 yards, your defense didn't play that well. I'm sorry, it just didn't. So that was really interesting to me to hear that from him. But that does do it for our uh, coaching uh, kind of overview of what they said. We heard from all four assistants breaking down what they said and what it means for the Iowa Hawkeyes and kind of my thoughts on all that. That was all we did today. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we are going to be talking with Caden Crawford and Iowa football commit. We're also going to be talking about how the Big Ten played out this past weekend. Some overtime surprises, Purdue getting stomped, Ohio State's offense is rolling. We're covering all that on tomorrow's show in addition to the Caden Crawford interview. So stay tuned for that. And if you haven't already done this, you have to check out the Locked On Big Ten podcast hosted by Nate Dickinson. He covers the Big Ten across the board. Everything you want to know, he's got it covered on the Locked On Big Ten podcast, which you can find for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube Monday through Friday. Just search Locked On Big Ten. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you had a phenomenal weekend and even better Sunday. Your week kicks off well, and I cannot wait to play Wisconsin this weekend. As always, Hawkeye Nation, I appreciate you tuning in, your love, and your listenership, and let's go Hawks.